you're fine. So thank you again for that. Uh, like the guy on the video announcement commercials beforehand said, my name's Mitch. I'm happy to be here with you this morning, the opportunity to share the message as we continue our sermon series uh, called Suit Up. Uh, we're looking at the battles we fight in life and how does our faith help us face challenges and shape our responses. Our hope is that through this series and through studying the Word of God together we can uh, learn how to put on the armor of God in advance so that we can advance. But this is a unique opportunity for me to preach on spiritual warfare and the employment of God's armor in the battleground of life. In my experience with the United Methodist Church, which has been a lifelong one, we don't spend a lot of time talking about the presence of evil. But as we're all reminded all too often, and especially with events from this past week, this world is most definitely suffering from atrocities fueled by evil. Uh, just a few weeks ago, we had a baptism here, and it reminded me that the vows we take of baptism to reject all that is evil and accept the freedom and power God gives us to resist evil injustices and oppression in whatever forms they present themselves. So as we're going to dive into scripture this morning, our scripture verse for this series and find out about today's piece of armor, spoiler alert, it's the helmet, um, because we just talked about it with the kiddos, but uh, we're going to read the scripture leading up to the helmet of salvation here, Ephesians 6. 10 through 17. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of his dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything to stand, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Verse 17, take the helmet of salvation. So, a box of tricks here. I have helmets in here. What are some helmets you have worn? Shout them out. Bob? Bobsledding? What's, are we in Minnesota, eh? Go-kart helmet. All right. We got some good. Come on, this side. We got good helmets coming from. These guys are having fun over here. Bicycle, football. Anything else? Base? I, I, have, them in, I have them in here. Baseball, Army, thank you for serving, whoever said the Army helmet. Um, that's a, like, a, it's a, like a mining helmet, old-time firefighter maybe. I got that one there. There's the bicycle one. This, uh, here, here's a, here's a that's my Reggie Jackson style baseball one. Um, you guys know I like Reggie. Um, I, got, I have this one, check this out. This is... Uh, Isaac demoed this just a minute ago. This is, can't make it up, it's called a Mitch hat. 
M-I-C-H, it's an acronym, I didn't look it up, but uh, my buddy uh, Blackwell gave this to me, uh, borrowed on loan from the Marine Corps opportunity to share this with you guys. Um, that's slightly different, that's like Kevlar, that's different than this one, which uh, uh, vintage World War II helmet right there. Um, so they're all kind of, lots of different helmets we wear when we're out bobsledding um, in our leisurely spare time. Uh, but there are also helmets uh, that we have the option of wearing, and it's option, right? There are lots of situations where wearing these helmets aren't optional, but sometimes they are. So like football helmets, that's required. You take that off in the field, they're going to throw a flag. Uh, baseball, I'm pretty sure that one's required too. I don't think you can bat without, I don't think you can forego the opportunity to wear a helmet at the plate. It's kind of baked into the game. Um, but when are there opportunities for wearing these helmets that we may choose not to wear them? Motorcycles, the old motorcycles, the bicycles, unicycles. <laughs> What's that? Oh, yeah, that's right. Um, in the spiritual world, it's not that different from the physical world. Taking the helmet of salvation is like wearing a helmet even when it's not required. Much like the motorcycle or the bicycle helmet we wear, the helmet of salvation out of respect for what might happen without it. Protecting our head is so important because that's where we keep our mind, right? And the mind is so important because that, my friends, is where the battle for our souls is waged. Putting on the helmet of salvation means protecting your soul with the hope of salvation. Hope. The joyful and confident expectation of eternal salvation. I am confident that Jesus died and was resurrected and is risen for me. I am confident he is coming back. I am confident he is making a place for me. And it is with this hope that I protect my mind against spiritual forces of evil. But if the physical world, when given the option of wearing or not wearing a helmet, how many of us choose to go unprotected? Why would we do this? Bicyclists, unicyclists, motorcyclists, talking to you. Why would we choose to not wear a helmet? Hairdo. We think our hair, it's more important to look good than to be protected. Spot on. More important, what, or, or it's just more comfortable than safe. Or I'm not going to get hurt. Or it's not going to happen, it's not going to happen to me. I used to have a motorcycle. Some of you might find that interesting. Fun fact about me. Uh, I didn't want to wear the helmet. Even though I knew it was dangerous, and I'm not going to speak for you if you're a motorcyclist, but for me, I think the reason why I didn't want to put on my physical helmet to protect my physical self is because I had too much pride in how the world was receiving me or perceiving me, and we go to great lengths to gain worldly acceptance no matter what the cost. 
But hear what the apostle Paul tells us in his letter to the Christians in Rome. Do not conform to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. See, I have a hard time taking directions from a place of authority. I don't like being told what to do. And maybe that's what my issue was with the mandated motorcycle helmet. It was the law when I had a bike. I like to claim that I am an oppositional defiant. I push back against authority, but I have humbly, humbly come to accept that that's a fancy way of saying pridefully stubborn. And when it comes to resisting authority, the authority of God, and conforming to the patterns of the world, it is simply foolish pride. Listen to what James reminds us about how God's attitude is towards pride. You adulterers, don't you realize that friendship with the world makes you an enemy of God? I say it again, if you want to be a friend of the world, you make yourself an enemy of God. Do you think the scriptures have no meaning? They say that God is passionate, that the spirit he has placed within us should be faithful to him. And he gives grace generously, as the scripture says, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. So humble yourselves before God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Come close to God, and God will close, come close to you. Wash your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, for your loyalty is divided between God and the world. James is quoting Proverbs 3 when he writes, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. I'm just kind of laying it out there. I feel we have to call our pride out for what it is because it makes us vulnerable and open to spiritual attacks. It prevents us from taking the helmet. The helmet is for our head. All of our senses are processed in our mind with the exclusion of touch. They all come directly through our face. If the enemy is going to win the battle for your soul, then he is going to have to get inside your head. And what better way to get in than to fuel your pride and convince you that you don't need any armor at all, let alone a helmet. The deceiver says, look around you, person of the world. Nobody else is wearing armor. Nobody else is suited up. You'll be fine. Take it all in. It can't hurt. It's just words, thoughts, images. They can't change or control you. You're stronger than that. You're tough enough to handle it on your own. The enemy wants to get to one place, and it's in your mind. And once we give him a place to inhabit, it's hard to get him out. The battle of spiritual warfare that we fight is in our minds. We all have them. Thoughts of doubt, fear, loneliness, lust, greed, envy, evil temptations. But unless we identify them 
as spiritual attacks. We'll never fight back. In 1 Peter, we read this. This is powerful. Be alert and sober-minded. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Resist him, standing firm in the faith, because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of suffering. Peter reminds us, standing firm and know that our brothers and sisters, the very folks right next to you, the very folks in this room, in Christ are facing the same struggles. It is only by faith that we can have the hope of salvation through the grace of Christ. Jesus offers us this hope, but we have to take it. Verse 17, Paul says, take the helmet of salvation. Take it. It's a powerful word. Have you ever tried to offer someone something and they wouldn't take it? You knew it was good for them. It was the best thing for them. You offered it to them, but they wouldn't take it. We can take it or we can resist it. And if you're looking for application this morning from the message, I'd encourage you to, to look at two, two opportunities. Opportunity one, first set your hope in biblical truth, in biblical faith. The scriptures have all that you need. Look there first to establish your hope and your faith on sound biblical teaching. And then, from there, find real community. Find a group or another person you're close with to be accountable to. I had a small group of men that we, we met weekly. We haven't, uh, we've moved apart, but um, still can confide in one another uh, on a regular basis and get together. And we share, we share all sorts of things that we can't share anywhere else outside of that small group and we hold each other accountable we pray for one another and friends it's life changing to have that vulnerability with a group to put things out there and know that you're not in the fray alone there's others battling alongside you and with you and praying for you so i'd encourage you to do that as well and i want to break away from the armor talk and the battle talk for one second and uh, talk a minute, take a minute to share a story about another type of protection. It rained a lot this week, like an uncommon amount of rain heading into this holiday, I felt like. Like the last week of school, it rained every day, and the sun didn't come out for several days. It was unnatural. I didn't like it. But did anyone take a rain jacket with them to school, to work, to the office, take a rain jacket with them? No? Nope. What about an umbrella? Did you take an umbrella with you in preparation for the rain that was predicted? Or did anyone advise another loved one to do the same? Like, here, hey, it's going to rain today. Take your jacket. As you're going out the bus, to the bus, take a jacket. As you're headed off to the office, grab an umbrella. Have you ever heard of Jonas Hanway? Lived in the late 1700s. You probably didn't know him personally. He was in London. He was a merchant, 
He's a philanthropist. He's a little eccentric. There's some interesting stories about his travels and his business dealings. And he was in the textiles business. And he traveled to the Far East um, making, making trade in textiles. Uh, while, while there, while on some of these travels, he learned about the use of the parasol. It was a, it was a shade covering to provide um, shelter from the blistering sun of the desert areas and those arid climates. Uh, he also learned it kind of been adapted in, in France for some of the same purposes. Uh, and these, these animal skins or other um, textiles stretched over these frames of, of uh, like animal bones, like rib bones. They've stretched these over, over these frames and then they cover it with a waxy coating to make it waterproof. So not only was it sunproof, um, it was also waterproof. And it was kind of the, the genesis of the umbrella. This, this personal handheld roof to protect oneself from the rain. And Jonas thought this was quite clever. Um, he loved the concept, and he brought this concept home with himself to London, where if you've been to London for more than a day, you know that in London it does what? It rains. It rains in London, and he brought this, you think this is great, he brought this umbrella to London where he was mocked, and ridiculed for 30 years as the only man in London who would carry an umbrella. 30 years before others slowly started to trade in their pride for protection. I want to close today by pleading with you to know that you are going to get wet. Know it. It's going to happen. You are engaged in battles. Battles for your soul in your mind. So please, please take the hope Jesus offers you. It's offered. Take it. It's there. Grab it. I assure you the risk of not doing so does not outweigh the reward. We have to set our pride aside Take the umbrella, take the helmet, take the protection for our soul that comes from the hope we have in his eternal salvation. Amen? Lord, thank you for this opportunity to be here with, with your believers, with your followers here this morning. Help me to set aside my foolish pride to lean not on my own understanding, but hope in your eternal salvation, to put my faith in your grace that is enough. Remind me every day that it is enough. Your grace is enough for me, and I am enough for you. How I am, I belong to you. Lord, help us all to set this pride aside, turn away from our worldly desire, and set our eyes on you. Amen.